This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, welcome back to the Worship God podcast. My name is Rob Brockman. I'm an associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia, Ontario. And today I am joined by my good friend, Jody Cross, who is the lead pastor of South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario. Jody, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being here today, brother. Rob, always good to see you, talk to you, and to talk to our listeners. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the new advents um, that we have to deal with as a church that's happened over the past, um, I want to say decade is the advent of the live stream. And, um, this has had some, the live stream has really kind of had some great benefits for the church. People can check out churches even before they attend in person. You're able to go and watch recordings of, of services that have happened and get a sense of the preaching style or the music style. And so there's some, some decent benefits of it, but, but one of the the habits that has maybe unintentionally come that we've picked up and noticed more in the church is, is this habit of some people getting used to, instead of going to church on Sunday morning, instead of attending a service, sitting at home, you know, in our PJs with our cup of coffee and watching church and kind of being more passive in our, in our engagement of service. And it, and it's revealed maybe a little bit of something is missing in our theology of worship. I came across this quote uh, the other day in a book that I'm reading by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he was talking about radio ministries in his time. So keep in mind, we're talking about like the 1960s, you know. And he says this, this is from his book, Preaching and Preachers. It's on page 266. And he says, as long as they could sit at home and listen to it, the worship service on the radio, why take the trouble to get to your, your car out of the garage and struggle with the traffic and many other inconveniences? Broadcasting, I fear, has discouraged people from coming to the house of God and taught them bad habits. And, and he goes on to say this, the whole notion of coming together and sitting together and sitting around the word and listening to an exposition of it is seriously damaged. And the very facts and statistics demonstrate that during these last 50 years, the life of the church as such has deteriorated very seriously. And so his comment about live broadcasting, this is a Sunday morning when we're supposed to be going to church instead listening. And for him, it was radio. He he was pointing out that what it's actually done is maybe taught some people some bad habits. And we're, we're now losing something a bit about the theology of worship. And, you know, there's this sense in which we can think of worship purely as a personal and individualistic thing. Jody, I I think you've heard this verbiage of vertical worship, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think what this, what we're starting to see is maybe we're, we're missing a little bit of the element of the horizontal nature of, of corporate worship. We are in an age and a culture that focuses that way. But um, what is, what does the Bible say? What does the new Testament say about what a corporate gathering looks like and the, the sense of who's in the room and where our focus should be. Yeah. You know, even kind of the way some of our auditoriums and worship spaces, the more you think about this, the more you start to like pick up on little things that maybe we're doing that 
help to accent maybe some of this problem, like the way our, our worship, worship spaces are set up. Even just the idea of, I don't know how often Jody you're thinking about, Oh, how do I eliminate distractions, you know, Mm -hmm. in worship? That's good. Of course, we want to make sure that we are drawing our focus to God and focusing our attention on him as we come to worship. But sometimes that will we're the distraction are the people <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and sometimes the distraction. Sometimes there's little babies that are uh, cooing and yeah. screaming and doing all sorts of noisy things and interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. That can be a distraction. And, and it's the corporate, the corporate, the, the horizontal elements of, of corporate worship that we actually now try to dim so that the vertical can become mm. a little more highlighted. And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. Of course, we're coming to church to worship God. This is called the Worship God podcast because mm. we're trying to help people and equip the church to learn what it means to worship God and worship Him better. But worship isn't only vertical. And as we think about our gatherings, we shouldn't only be thinking about the vertical aspect of worship. There is a sense, a horizontal nature to it. So, oh, yeah. so Jody, what, what do we mean when we say that worship has both a vertical element and a horizontal element? Unpack that a little. Yeah. Well, you've already said that uh, contrary to what we have taught, been taught to believe and grown to understand in our culture that it's me and Jesus. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's about me with you and us together Hmm. with Jesus. So there is that missing horizontal nature of this in folded into what is what we call the corporate worship service. Corporate by its very, very word is it's plural. Hmm. Corporate is not an individual thing. And culture, you know, it's interesting that how much of what we do is biblical versus how much of what we do is cultural, or we could say, culturally informed biblical practice as opposed to biblically informed biblical practice. Right. And in a sense, you, you know, you are a product of the culture you live in and that's been true in in all times. And so sometimes culture is helpful, but other times culture is moving us in a direction that is, is taking us away from what the the scripture says. So Hmm. corporate worship isn't a bunch of individuals in a room. Just imagine, a room full of a hundred people and think of them like silos. It's not 100 silos in a room full of other silos. It's about a bunch of individuals who come together as a corporate entity, no mm. silos, corporate entities to both worship Jesus together and to encourage each other. And really two of the passages in the new Testament that speak about what we would understand a worship gathering to entail come and really they're very similar passages both written by the apostle paul both almost identical in wording colossians 3 and ephesians 5 so colossians 3 16 ephesians 5 18 i'm going to read those colossians 3 says let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing hymns excuse me psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god Paul says the same thing, similar, very similar in Ephesians mm-hmm. 5, 18 and 19. Do not get drunk with wine. Just a little side note here. In one sense, we're not supposed to be filled with wine, but filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And in the Colossians passage, we're supposed to be filled with the Word. Mm-hmm. When we do that, when we're filled with the Spirit, we are addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. And we could say Hebrews chapter 10, you know, consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. So there's that corporate nature, 1 Corinthians 14. 
I'll just read this last one. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And so you you know you've got a bunch of individuals. I come to church on my own or with my family, but we come as an individual person. But when we get there, we're meeting with other people. Mm. And clearly, these scriptures say there's an individual piece that comes to join what's happening. So there is both the me. Uh, and and I, me and I, and the we involved. This right. is this is plural. All of us. The, the, you heard in those texts the one and others. Every person is part of this larger body, this larger family, and uh, we are together in pursuit of the exaltation of God. Mm. It it is. I think it's a helpful practice practice for us to even to, to maybe wind back the clock and ask the question: How did we end up here? How did we end up where? There is more now of a trend to see Sunday morning worship as purely vertical, as purely me and Jesus, and not us and Jesus. And um, I think, I think, Jody, there's probably a number of things that kind of contribute to this. One thing that I think is, and I think historically we can look at that contributed to this, was the history of revivalism, especially in the 1800s. You know, we we read back about Jonathan Edwards and these amazing. Uh, the great awakening happening in the States. And there were, there's move of the spirit and people were drawn into repentance, into relationship with Christ because of these great revivals. But after those kind of dwindle out and finish, there were some who wanted to see that work continue. Whatever that happens, whenever there's a revival, there's a genuine movement of the spirit. We want to recreate it. We want to do, we want to get that, that action happening up here. And so we start trying to, create it. We start trying to, to, to do things and to see if we can kind of orchestrate mm-hmm. it. And you got guys like Finney and DL Moody who tried to kind of recreate a lot of what was happening with Edwards and Whitfield and worship services. Part of the way they did that was the way that they orchestrated their worship services. And, and there was a focus on the emotional experience of the individual and the ecstatic experiences um, began to be focused on more and more and more. And music began to take more of a prominent role in these gatherings and singing and, and coming forward and making a declaration for Christ. And, and even the worship services themselves began to spend more time trying to draw the individual to have a moment with God an experience of God and now, of course, that happens in corporate worship. I mean, we engage with God, and it can be a very emotional thing. But I think that that is part of the puzzle, part of the trajectory was leading leading history, the history of worship church, the worship of the church into more of an individualistic um, kind of mm-hmm. focus. Yeah, I, I might dial back even just to the the autonomy piece, the well, the experience piece. Maybe I'll lean into that. But I remember Tozer has a sermon or a chapter in a book called The Great God Entertainment. And he was railing against this, uh, you know, sort of the Martin Lloyd-Jones era as well, railing against the entertainment and entertainment coming into the the worship service that we were there to to put on some sort of show. And when you have a show, you, you want to please your audience. And so then you're, you know, you're, your audience becomes consumers and that whole thing. And, and so I think that's, that's part of it too, that entertainment has come into the church and shaped our services. And so then you take fast forward from say the fifties, sixties to, I don't know what year it was, but 
our listeners, some of you will know, really astute people. 2000 comes this little metal box that can hold 200 of your songs. And we called it, you know, an iPod. And so I, you know, individually headphones locked in and now you've got a whole world of people walking around with white headphones and a silver shiny device and you get locked into your music. And this is about you and what you like. It's about individualism and autonomy. And that fights against all the corporate notions of what it means Mm. to follow Jesus. And then, uh, so concert culture, here's another thing, how it affects us uh, in how this did this shape us. So concert culture, big rooms, low lights, loud music. You can't really see each other. You can't really hear each other. And so culture again is shaping us. And, and so, you know, we, we work against that and we um, deal with that. Yeah. Well, I even think, to maybe uh, to jump on that the the worship culture so we have the concept the the concert culture the worship culture in general music has taken the forefront in a lot of our gatherings um and, and this is a strange departure from what we see in the early church i mean you would sing in a corporate gathering in you know the early church but it would be a hymn or two where now we can have 40 minutes of of music and singing and like you're saying, big, loud music, low, music, low lights, uh, that's kind of the trend today. And, uh, you know, we, when we see back then the Lord's table being very prominent and very focused, coming around the table together, having a fellowship, having, having meal, a meal at the table, now music and often the production behind it really has helped to, to accent the individualism and the experience of the individual more than the corporate nature of, of worship. What might then be, Jody, some of the problems that could arise when we start to prioritize kind of the vertical, the me and Jesus over the us and Jesus in a corporate gathering? What, what might be some symptoms or some um, effects of that in the church, in the local church, in the local gathering even? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, just in a phrase, uh, it's all about me. That consumeristic worship is all about me. It's for me and and by me. And we're here to get our needs met, which focuses on self. Two problems with that. Number one, uh, that's the wrong focus. It's not to be focused on self. It's God. And it's also meant to be on others too. And when we start with our preferences, our preferences getting met and worship becoming about if we like what's happening or if we had an experience or, you know, we can go from church to church until we find the right style. Mm. And um, we come hungry for God. And yet um, there's more to it than just our experiences uh, being satisfied. And another thing that I think is a problem is that it impacts commitment. Mm. Think of just the whole idea of adherence to a local church belonging because I come once in a while or I come consistently versus yeah. membership. I'm I'm attending I'm uh, receiving from, but I'm not really plugged in. So I, in a sense, I come for what I can get. I come to attend uh, versus I'm part of this body. I'm an integral part of giving and receiving and doing life with a group of individuals. And that, that whole idea uh, is, is completely a game changer for a local church. If it's, if it's a bunch of individuals who are coming and going versus they're coming and they're committed to it. And then, um, church attendance. If uh, worship is purely about what I can get, and it's only between me and God, then my motivation for for going to, to a corporate gathering is 
it's pretty suspect because I can kind of do that on my own, can't I? I can, why bother to go? Why not just watch or go for a walk in the woods? Yeah. And um, so when we begin to think about this, we fall short of what the Bible teaches, what we just read in Ephesians and Colossians mm. about the corporate nature, not only of, of worship, but of discipleship, of life, of faith. And you read Matthew chapter four, Jesus calls disciples, you know, says, follow me. He didn't call, he called individuals, but he called them as a group. And in the book of Acts, these people are hanging out. It is not just one person having their quiet time. It is many, many people gathering in homes, doing this together. Yeah. Well, you think about the ending of the chapter two of Acts and, and even the, the things that they talk about, you hear actually how corporate they are. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. That's a very corporate act to sit together and to discuss what the apostles are teaching, God's word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Like all these are kind of the key kind of building blocks, so to speak, of what a gathering is. And these are all very corporate things. Now you can absolutely listen to a sermon on your own. But the very nature of corporate worship in the early church was very much intended to be not only just vertical between us in uh, me and Jesus, but also us and Jesus. And so what are some practical things then that we could do as a church? And maybe let's split this up into what can we do as worship leaders? Uh, because a lot of us who listen to this are worship leaders. And then what can we do as individuals, you know, as, as, as Rob Brockman and Jody Cross who comes to church or the listener who's like, okay, I'm, I'm just attending this week. What are some things that we could be doing to help um, one another better as we gather. What do you think, Jody? What might be some things that we could do? As let's talk. Let's talk as leaders first. Worship leaders in the church. Yeah, and as as we're going to talk about what we're going to say, I think what we're doing is we're actually being countercultural, countercultural not to the scriptures but to culture around us, hmm. and we are attempting to create a culture with a new mindset and a new heart posture. If if we can think clearly biblically. And we can have a heart posture that's leaning in, in in a biblical direction, then the church is going to grow and become much healthier. So as a leader, as a planner, we can plan for involvement. We can plan for participation. Robert Weber, many years ago, wrote this book and the title is just really helpful. It says, worship is a verb. Hmm. It's, it's something we do and it's something we do together. So when we, when we are involved in a corporate gathering, reading, speaking, sitting, praying, raising our hands, clapping, and a host of other verbs. We are joining together. We are not um, just spectators, but we're participants. And then calling people to, to engage. And worship leaders have the opportunity to do that. And it's a call to worship. And it's come and, and join your hearts. Come and join your minds. Come and let's pursue Christ together. Come and sing. Come and engage. And... So we are basically saying, don't just sit there and watch, engage your, your whole being. Another one would be, I think helpful is that we pick songs that are corporate and singable. Yeah. Tomlin fam famously said, sing songs uh, that the people can sing, like to sing and need to sing. Yeah. And we, we pick good songs that people can engage with. Then they can, they can join in, they can participate and they will give them give themselves to it one more. And then maybe Rob share with us what you're thinking. Uh, I think picking songs that have rich and right theology that 
you know, there's, there's a lot of songs and, and I think there's a good case for this. You read the Psalms and David has I Psalms, you know, Lord, this is me. This is my situation. This is my praise. But mm-hmm. also I think of things like I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And there's mm-hmm. a sense that I'm going as an individual, but I'm going to meet with a group of people. Well, David will say like, I have told your faithfulness to the great congregation. You know, like he, there's, there's definitely corporate um, verbiage in the Psalms uh, all over the mm-hmm. place. And, and we need to be looking for that in our song repertoires. And you can lean into them too. And, and we have these moments where we can have these 30 second or 20 second teaching moments, drawing out a lyric from a song that we're singing that, that highlights that. And uh, so good theology, good doctrine, and also corporate doctrine. Yeah. I've always, always kind of recently been, it's been helpful for me to think of corporate singing almost like preaching in a way, you know, if a pastor gets up there and is going, going to open the Bible and preach, we would expect him to preach good doctrine. Well, in the same way, if we're singing to one another, we're kind of preaching to one another. And what are we singing? We should be singing doctrine. That's what singing is. And so I think that's important that we're singing good doctrine to one another as opposed to bad doctrine. And so that's a huge one. Uh, one, one I would say is, you know, we should try to balance a very practical thing is making sure that the mix is balanced so that the music is complementing the voices, you know, um, music is a means to an end in the church. And so it's good. God has created it. He wants us to sing. It stirs our affections. There's all kinds of great reasons, but it should always be a handmaiden um, to, to, um, to what we're trying to accomplish on Sunday morning. So it shouldn't be pushing out other elements or taking prominence. And so music is there not to drown out the voices, but to encourage singing. And so we want to make sure that as we're mixing things, we're encouraging singing. Now that can happen if the mix is too loud, then you can't hear people singing, then that's a problem. But if the mix is too quiet and everyone's quiet, then we're not singing loudly. And so paying attention to the mix, talking to our sound guys, making sure that they really understand what the vision is. We want people singing. We want, but the Psalms talk about loud music and loud crashing of cymbals. But it also talks about loud singing and addressing one another in Psalms. And so we've got to hit both. Acapella singing is huge, you know, letting there be times where just the congregation's voices are heard, are heard and we just sit there and we sing truth together and we enjoy our voices. Um, that, that is a huge and an amazing element that we can add and that can help hearing voices and singing. As well, I would talk about encouraging fellowship after church. I think that's, that's a huge thing. Encouraging the congregation to stay around in church and not viewing church just as what happens um, during the service, but the corporate nature of fellowship before and after. And if you don't have a space, like, you know, a lot of the time it's like, you know, we'll stay afterwards. We'll have cake and coffee and we'll fellowship, we'll chat. And a lot of churches go, well, we don't have a space like that. Well, you know, put put some tables up in the back of your sanctuary. Hey, this may uh, be sh- be a, a novel idea to some of you, but fellowship is more important than dirty coffee stains on your carpet. So, if if that means having coffee in the sanctuary in the back of the the auditorium, so people can stay and not leave immediately afterwards, but actually stay in fellowship and chat, I think that's worth it. Um, I think that's absolutely worth it. And so I would encourage, hey, if you have 
if you can encourage fellowship after church, have people stick around and people stay and, and fellowship. Jody, are there any other things you'd suggest to a, to a leader, how to encourage that corporate nature? We look at our language, Rob. Um, how about we use we language using mm. plural biblical language. So Bible has a number of metaphors that are corporate family, the body, uh, a building mm. and the vine and the branches that all speaks to individuals becoming part of something larger. So watch our language. And um, we send out something every week called South Shore Connects, which is our online newsletter announcements, bulletin, that type of thing on Thursdays, goes out on Thursdays. And, you know, even in that, we can even say every week, as you prepare your heart to come on Sunday to worship, be praying for one another, even Mm. things like that, that remind people even ahead of time, three days ahead of time, that you're coming together with other people who, who need God's blessing. So pray blessings on them, pray for God to enable them to come in a, a right heart posture. Yeah. And then um, encouraging fellowship after church. Yeah. So we have opportunities to meet with people and talk to one another in, in meaningful ways that people stay. You know, some churches are uh, come to the auditorium and leave and others are stick around for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and just be in each other's lives. And maybe the last thing I would say was to teach on it from either in a sermon. Actually, we have a, an upcoming sermon on corporate worship and it's not a series, but it's one off of our core values. And you can just tell people what we're talking about today, that we come corporately as individuals, we come together to be corporate. How about Rob, if we looked at the, the category of, of what can we do as, um, as individuals. Well, one thing I would say in kind of um, to, to the fellowship kind of idea is come early and stay late. Um, You know, this, this gives you time to let God use you to be an encouragement to somebody. Um, There may be an opportunity, let's say before church or after church to sit with someone who's going through something and, and pray with them in the moment. You may have an opportunity to reflect on the sermon afterwards and and say, hey, what'd you think about the sermon? And then give an encouraging word or just praise God for what he said to you through the through the pastor. Maybe you have gone through something in your life recently and that person's going through it. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 talks to us about how we're comforted so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we, we've received. And so this provides opportunity for you when you come early and you stay late and you're hanging around as an individual, um, that's going to provide opportunities. I say this often, you know, uh, someone sitting by themselves at church is an opportunity or it's an emergency. I kind of, I like to highlight the emergency of that. When someone's by themselves, don't view it as just, oh, they're there by themselves. They're good. View it as an opportunity to go invade their life and to go and mm. sit with them and talk with them and, and introduce yourself. Have that kind of flag, red flag when you see somebody. And again, when you're there early or it's sitting there late after church, you're able to do that. One, one very practical idea that I like to encourage people with, and Santa and I try to practice this, is once a month, plan to have extra food available for lunch after church. And that morning at church, just ask the Lord to guide you to somebody who you can invite over for lunch that day for fellowship. And, and maybe if that's like, Oh, once a month, I can't do that. Okay. Well just periodically plan to do that and tell yourself, Hey, church is nine 30 AM till 2 PM. It's not, it's not 10 till 12. 
it. Don't plan to do groceries right after church. Give yourself time to let the worship service breathe. I kind of think of the worship service as a nice, a nice pasta sauce. You know, if any of you made like a stew or a pasta sauce, you know that it's always going to take taste best after it's sat for a while and all the different ingredients get to kind of invade them and mix. That's what we, our worship service needs to be like that. It takes time. We've got to let it breathe. And so one thing as individuals that we can definitely do, come early and stay late. I think that's helpful. Jody, what would be a recommendation as individuals from you? What, what can we do to help grow this corporate nature? Of yeah, I think, Rob, I've learned something on the podcast. Uh, church is like a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> and, and I'm going to quote you. You know, famously you it was said, church is like <laughs> pasta. It's like a good spaghetti sauce. It's like a good spaghetti. I don't know yeah, what time know. people are listening. I don't know like, how biblical that is, but... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all getting hungry now, waiting for a, yeah. a, good, uh, a good thing of spaghetti. Um, yeah, I said a few minutes ago that really what we want to see is we want to see a mind mind shift, mindset shift, and a heart posture. And one of those mindsets and heart postures is to be intentional. I'm I'm gathering, I'm coming today, and I think you know, maybe this is the long and short of it. I'm going to church. It's Sunday morning. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to church, period. Mm. And assumed is all the things that happen when I walk through the door. But how about this as a mindset and a posture shift and a heart shift? Um, it's Sunday morning. I'm going to church and my life is going to impact other people today. Mm. My presence and my example and my encouragement is going to edify someone. It's going to build someone up. Mm. God, what does that look like? Who is that person? Here I go. You know, almost, we don't think of this actually. We think we go to church and then we're sent on mission. How about we think we're sent on mission at 10 o'clock to go to church? Mm. Our mission is to walk into the door because God has people for us to minister to. Yeah. So that's that, you know, not just me and Jesus, it's me and each other. And then rolled up with that would be up to pray and to say, as you just said a minute ago about inviting people, praying, saying, God, who, who is it that you want me to talk with or pray for today? And even just this whole idea of mission, Lord, what specific thing do you want to do through me as I come to worship you? Yeah. And this expectation that there's going to be someone that you're going to put in my path and then to be contagious, this whole idea of being an example Psalm 34 is a great passage in the first three verses. Talk about the individual and the corporate nature. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So there's there's the I. Uh -huh. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Okay, there's me. I'm doing this. And then he turns a corner. He says, let the humble hear and be glad. In other words, let my praise, let my example cheer the hearts of other people. Yeah. And then... then it's contagious. Verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Mm. Hey, everybody or buddy or people who are sitting next to me, let's do this together. Let's magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, if everybody does that, if everybody's coming in ready to bless the Lord and everybody's ready to encourage uh, and bring gladness to other people's hearts, and then everybody is saying, come on, let's, let us magnify the Lord. Let's do this together. There is a a fever pitch of excitement and vertical orientation when the horizontal orientation is together. Well, and you know, I think that then highlights another thing, which is look around during worship. Again, like this, this consumeristic individualistic 
vertical only worship focus often results in us, you know, get our eyes closed and our hands are up and we're just really zoned in and we're just kind of ignoring everything that's around us. And I would say part of Paul, what Paul means when he says address one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is is to a Sing to one another, sing with one another. Notice the people around you. Notice that old couple who's got their hands together and they're raising their hands together. Notice that sick brother who is singing and 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 putting his faith in Jesus as he's singing these songs of good doctrine about God's sovereignty. You know, don't just have your eyes closed and focus on yourself and the experience in the moment. Let the congregation singing bless you. And, and I think here, this is where we could talk about, you know, lighting levels in the room. Now, I'll be honest, I've never been in a sanctuary that's so dark, I can't see everyone. So some of this, I kind of roll my eyes at. I'm like, I've never been in a pitch black room where I can't see the people around me. So maybe you guys have, but I would say just keep that in mind. We don't want the room so dark that you're not able to see the people around you. Um, and so... This is a core, this is part of the corporate nature. I would say another thing is talk about the service afterwards, download it, you know, go home, talk about the service, talk about it with the people around you. And then finally, one key thing, I think if, if this, if, if corporate worship, if, if the gathering really has a corporate nature and it's important, it is critical that we are in right relationship with those that we're gathering with. And so we must ensure that we are in right relationship with our spouses, with our kids, with our brothers and sisters in the church. Because the Bible makes it very clear that if you're involved in conflict with somebody in the church, you must seek to make it right before you go to corporate worship. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 23, 24, right? If you're offering your offer at the altar and you know that you've got something against somebody or somebody's got something against you, he says, leave your gift, go be reconciled, and then come and offer your gift. So part of the way that we can prepare ourselves for corporate worship and have worship in this more corporate kind of mindset is also just making sure, hey, am I am I right with everybody here? Uh, and take Saturday night, take Sunday morning before you go to reflect on that. And so, um, yeah, there is a, there's a critical nature to making sure that we're ensuring that the right relationships don't impact the corporate worship of, of the congregation. Yeah, there's an assumption in what you just said that imagine coming into a place, maybe it's, it's really big or maybe relationships are not happening or maybe you're new. You come into a place in a room full of strangers. Mm. How easy is it to be corporate in a, in a shopping mall or Costco full of hundreds of people that you have no connection to? Right. All right. Okay. Fast forward, family gathering, hundred people in someone's backyard, you know, everybody you've done life and history with them. How is that a different gathering? Oh yeah. And so let's think about Sunday morning and this will just kind of be my last point in this whole thing. But the idea is if, if you don't know people and even if you desire to be corporate and connected, but you don't have relationship with people, it's going to be really hard to be corporate and connected with strangers. Mm, yeah. So this speaks, and really this is, this is kind of, uh, this is non-Sunday. So what does, it, what does it mean for a local church to put energy and effort into meeting and connecting and Bible studies, life groups, small groups, support groups, prayer meetings with other people? Mm. And let's just say that that group of 100 people is, 
has met in a number of forums, a number of ways through the course of the week. And that group of people who have done life together in some fashion or form, then regather on Sunday. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a family reunion in your sister-in-law's, you know, backyard. And then all of the things we've been saying, they, they can, there's traction there. And this, these, the intentionality about what we're doing as leaders planning, but also as individuals participating, they can really take root. Absolutely. I think the richest gatherings, um, or when you're doing it with people who you love, who you know, you know their stories. I remember years ago, I was at in, uh, in seminary or in, in my undergrad, and I was leading a team with worship, of worship leaders. And each week, each person on the team would share their testimony. And I remember getting up on stage and then leading worship with them and then seeing them out of the corner of my eye after just of her hearing their testimony of how God saved them or the things they're struggling with. And I remember just being overwhelmed because I was like, wow, like I've just heard this person's story and their struggles. And now I'm hearing them sing this truth about God. And it was, it was powerful. And when you get to do that week in and week out with people, you know, and you love, it is a rich experience. But when you're very disconnected from the life of the church, you watch online at home. Most of the time that corporate that corporate element at the church is going to be missing. You're going to be missing a lot when you come to these gatherings. And so biblical worship is both vertical and horizontal. It's both giving to the Lord and offering our praise to him, but then it's receiving not only from him, but from one another, it's looking up, but it's, but it's also looking around. And that's kind of the key idea we want to hit on in this episode. Yeah. I would, I would add to that a verse that I've loved and, I think it's a great verse for worship, not like we normally think about it, because oftentimes we think worship equals music, but it's found in, in this uh, Romans 15, 5 and 6 says this, uh, and just listen to it in, in light of what we've been talking about. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you, meaning you plural, to live in such harmony with one another, relationships, in accord with Christ Jesus, and listen to the, the so that, so that you may with one voice glorify mm. the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And, and that really does bring us back to the whole Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, that we come as people in relationship, one anothering one another. And then mm. in that healthy, unified, loving, New Testament kind of way, we come together so that we have a voice and it's a common voice. And it's a voice that brings glory to God and honors and exalts Jesus Christ as God works in us. And you know what? Just let's note that it's God who builds this, the God of endurance and encouragement. He's the one that yeah. grants us the ability to live harmonious. So um, the act of us coming together corporately in the horizontal nature, horizontal aspect of corporate worship, when we do this together, Paul writes in Romans 15 that this itself is an act of worship. This This is a fragrant offering to God when we are the body, brothers and sisters, the family, this itself is, it's not musical, but it's, it, it is fragrant. It's an offering to God. So yeah. when we do what the Bible teaches, we've been talking about God is glorified, Christ is magnified and the body is edified. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely 
what we want to see is a gathering happening where God is glorified, Christ is magnified, and the body is edified. And that's why we do this podcast. And so thank you for, for joining us on this episode. Hey, we'd really encourage you, if you, if you like this podcast, to share it. Um, maybe this episode has spoken to you and you want to share that. Uh, we would appreciate that. Tell others about the podcast. We'd love to expand our listenership and just help equip the rest of the church for worship. And also love to hear from you. You can email us at rob at cornerstoneorelia.org. And so God bless you. We hope this episode was encouraging and we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.